0: Listening to In Tune, a podcast series featuring equity research analysts from BMO Capital Markets. Our shows explore key emerging themes, trends, and issues which are important to our institutional clients globally.
1: When accounting standards change, the impact can be important for investors. And today, we delve into what investors need to know about IFRS 17. I'm Camilla Sutton, Head of Product Management, and I'm joined by my colleague, Tom McKinnon, who covers Canadian insurance, asset managers, and diversified financials. Tom, on December 13th, you published a report titled, Analyzing Drivers of Value in an IFRS 17 World. Let's start there. What is IFRS 17, and what, in your opinion, do investors need to know about it?
2: Yeah, Happy New Year to everyone, and Happy New Year, Camilla. Yeah, IFRS 17 is a new international accounting standard for insurance companies that comes into effect January 1st, 2023. It applies to Canadian, European, Australian, Asian, and South African insurers, but is not being adopted by the largest insurance markets in the world, namely the United States and Japan. So to that extent, it's not really at all a universal global standard. It will apply to insurance contracts and will not apply to pure wealth and asset management business. And it also has a limited impact on group insurance business. So given the business mix, it probably has the biggest impact on Industrial Alliance, followed by Manulife, then Great West Life Co., and then Sun Life. The change in the accounting standards to IFRS 17 for the Canadian Life Co. does not impact the fundamentals and economics of the insurance business it will have an impact on the timing of reported earnings. In our opinion, investors need to understand how it will reflect drivers of value, and most importantly, what further analysis and perhaps potential adjustments to reported items are relevant in an IFRS 17 world.
1: Tom, that was really clear. Can you take us a step back And explain the biggest difference between IFRS 17 and the current IFRS 4 accounting standards for the Canadian life codes.
2: Yeah, the most important differences in our opinion between IFRS 17 and IFRS 4 are for the Canadian life codes will be the uh, treatment of the following four items. One, new business gains under IFRS 4. These are capitalized, but under IFRS 17, These will be deferred and amortized through the Contractual Service Margin, or the CSM. Two, actuarial assumption changes related to future policyholder and expense experience. These were capitalized under IFRS 4. They're going to be deferred and amortized under IFRS 17 through the CSM. Three, actuarial assumption changes related to changes in future returns on non-fixed income assets that back liabilities. These were capitalized under IFRS 4 and under IFRS 17, they will emerge into income over the life of the asset. And four, investment gains on fixed income assets that back liabilities. These were often referred to as yield enhancements. They were capitalized under IFRS 4, but now will be earned over the life of the asset under IFRS 17.
1: So, Tom, as an analyst covering the sector for almost 25 years, and as an actuary who had previously worked in the life insurance industry, what are your thoughts with respect
2: to these changes? I mentioned four major changes between IFRS 4 and IFRS 17. Three of of those changes are really not that material, and I don't have much of an issue with. The one change, the CSM, is a material change. And I'll address that one in my comments. Let's start with the ones where there are no significant issues or no significant changes. First, in terms of the treatment of yield enhancements under IFRS 17, you know, these will be earned over the life of the asset as opposed to capitalizing them under IFRS 4. Yet, I'd never liked the capitalizing of these things, anyways. It was more volatile in terms of earnings. And under IFRS 17, The assets that back liabilities are now independent of the liability measurement, so it it doesn't make sense uh, to capitalize. Uh, Earning them over the life is better. These yield enhancements were only about 4 or 5% of the earnings of the life codes anyways uh, when they were capitalized. So it's not material. I don't see really a need to non-gap these. I also have no issues with the removal of capitalizing of the impact of actuarial assumption changes related to non-fixed income assets that back liabilities. Non-fixed income assets make economic sense as assets that back liabilities, especially in this low interest rate environment. Making their future estimated returns independent of the liability measurement makes sense to us, and that's going to be the case under IFRS 17, and it's going to lead to less volatility than we had under IFRS 4, and will allow the earnings to emerge on these assets over the life of the asset, which I think they should. I also have no issues with deferring and amortizing the impact of actuarial assumption changes as they relate to future policyholder and expense experience. So as opposed to the IFRS 4 treatment where these things were capitalized, even when they were capitalized, they weren't really that large. Uh, they amounted to probably about less than 1% of the book value annually, and they were never part of the core or underlying or base earnings. Uh, they will be disclosed and they will impact future unearned profits. The biggest change will be a new liability established on the balance sheet known as the contractual service margin or CSM. So we view the treatment of new business gains, essentially unearned profits, which are capitalized under IFRS 4, but will now be deferred and amortized under IFRS 17 through the CSM as the biggest difference, which from accounting perspective will lower book value upon transition and impact the timing of earnings.
1: So Tom, can you talk a bit more about contractual service margins, or CSM, and why it's important?
2: Yeah, writing profitable new business typically adds economic value to a life insurance company. You want to see a lot of that. At the point of sale, new business may have a positive or negative impact on the current IFRS four earnings. A positive impact, which is called a new business game, will result when the expected profit margin on the product pricing exceeds the provision for adverse deviations in the actuarial liability at the point of sale. This is good. This often occurs on high margin business with more limited long-term guarantees. This this kind of business is more apparent in Asia, and that's where we see good high margin business of new business gains. The CSM under IFRS 17 will now essentially defer and amortize these unearned profits. It'll be a new reserve on the balance sheet that will contain a portion of the profits on insurance contracts to be deferred and gradually released in income over the estimated life of the contracts. So writing profitable new insurance business is still a primary driver of value. If you didn't have any CSM, you'd have no unearned profits on your insurance business. And that really doesn't signify value creation, in our opinion. Really, the higher the CSM, the better, in our opinion.
1: So as an investor, how should I look at IFRS 17 in assessing shareholder value?
2: Yeah, through a series of examples of the in-front report we noted at the start of the podcast, we demonstrate the need to look beyond just IFRS 17 reported earnings or book value or ROE in assessing shareholder value and shareholder value creation in an IFRS 17 world. Frankly, IFRS 17 can give unusual results due to the treatment of the CSM. Let's take two companies, and we note this as an example in our report. One grows its sales at 25%, and the other one grows its sales at a 1% clip. It takes years before the IFRS 17 reported earnings for the 25% grower are materially higher than they were for the 1% sales grower. Investors who just pay attention strictly to IFRS 17 earnings bottom line will not see that. But you know, OSFI does. So, OSVR regulator here sees the CSM as future unearned profits and thus counts it as capital and does not count the CSM as a liability like IFRS 17 does. That means that the 25% sales grower would have way more capital and way more distributable earnings than the 1% grower. Investors in the 25% sales grower would get higher dividends and potentially higher share, share buybacks, all other things being equal than the 1% sales grower because of OSFI's non-GAAP treatment of the CSM when it looks at IFRS 17 financials. In other words, actual IFRS 17 earnings wouldn't be materially different between a 25% sales grower and a 1% sales grower, but in terms of OSFI's measurement, the capital shareholders would be able to get would be much higher for a 25% sales grower than they would be for a 1% sales grower. As mentioned, OSFI has indicated it will not count the contractual service margin as a liability in its definition of available capital. So in OSFI's opinion, the book value of the company in IFRS 17 essentially adds back the CSM. In fact, OSFI goes further and is on record as saying IFRS 17 will not change capital for the industry. So capital is king. And if it doesn't change then isn't IFRS 17 essentially just much more of an accounting exercise? Revenue Canada is non-gapping IFRS 17 as well and is currently proposing the CSM not be deductible for income tax purposes, essentially treating new business gains as capitalized for income tax purposes like they are under IFRS 4 as opposed to amortized like they would be under IFRS 17. So when OSFI and the CRA make such adjustments, we think investors need to think about making similar adjustments. And we agree with Manulife CEO Roy Gorey's suggestion that investors should look at the book value plus the CSM in assessing the impact of IFRS 17, since OSFI includes the CSM in available capital. Taking this further, if you want to look at earnings, we think you should look at distributable earnings, which ref- reflect the year-over-year increase in OSFI's definition of at equity, whereby the CSM is added back. After all, these distributable earnings are what you're going to be able to get in terms of dividends and share buybacks. Investors and lifecos want these. osfi fee LICAT drives the return of capital. IFRS 17 earnings do not drive the return of capital.
1: So what are some of the other jurisdictions considering as they get ready for IFRS 17?
2: Yeah, IFRS 17 is a bit of a nothing burger for the Europeans and Asian life codes. Their key performance indicators for valuation purposes are all capital related, like capital, capital generation, new business value and embedded value, which are all driven by capital, all which will not materially change as a result of IFRS 17. Since IFRS 17 is counting, it's not capital. So for them, IFRS 17 will not lead to any impact on their key valuation drivers. And as mentioned earlier, IFRS 17 has no impact on U.S. life codes valuations since IFRS 17 doesn't apply to U.S. life codes.
1: Tom, we're almost at the end here. Any closing comments to share with us?
2: Yeah, I just want to enforce that you can't take IFRS 17 reported items at face value, especially since the most important metric being capital, being OSFI capital, is being non-gapped by OSFI. And OSFI has stated that capital will not change. We have no problem with non-gap measures, nor with modifications thereof or the introduction of new ones, especially if accounting doesn't properly reflect what is perceived as being drivers of value. We've mentioned a couple of potential non-gap items in this podcast and in this report, and we see no problems with these being implemented. We saw that with the Canadian banks in the year 2000, with the introduction of cash earnings. We expect the Canadian life Coast in 2022 will work towards common metrics with which to analyze value drivers and how to properly disclose them in an IFRS 17 world. With that, I think it's important for people to have a look at our our IFRS 17 in front report that we released in December. I'd encourage everyone to read it and happy new year to everyone, thanks.
1: Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Happy new year to you as well. That was Tom McKinnon, insurance, asset management, and diversified financial analyst here with our global equity research team. And the report that he was referring to is titled Analyzing Drivers of Value in an IFRS 17 World, and it was published December 13th. BMO Capital Markets is proud to deliver a thoughtful analysis of upcoming equity research trends that will prove important to clients' investment decisions through both its Intune podcast as well as our commodity-specific Metal Matters, hosted by Colin Hamilton. If you enjoyed today's Intune podcast, please do subscribe and rate it.
0: Thanks for listening to InTune, presented by BMO Capital Markets Equity Research. You can subscribe to InTune on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and other podcast providers. Or Visit our website at researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com to listen to more podcasts. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. To access our full disclosures, please visit researchglobalzero.bmocapitalmarkets.com public disclosure.